0: Welcome to Not In A Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson.
1: Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not In A Huff. Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it as always. Today I'm interviewing another traveler. Now, you know I I enjoy traveling, love travel, Um, just the experiences that it provides and and just hearing other people's travel stories. I try not to to put too many travelers back to back. It's been a little while since we had one, so um, I I think this is a a really good episode for those who enjoy travel and those who just enjoy a good story, because I am talking to Chris McCaffrey, and he, a little bit different than some of the other ones that I've, I've interviewed where he is kind of um, one that stays in locations quite a bit longer. So he's lived in Korea and in Mexico and did uh, winemaking all across uh, the world, trying, kind of following the season. So he kind of puts roots the places he travels he after college he decided to to pick up and and kind of uh, never stop moving so i think you're gonna enjoy just kind of hearing the experiences he's had everything from like i said winemaking across the world to writing a rickshaw across india and just some really cool s- stories um, and, and speaking of stories, we're going to talk a little bit about a book he recently wrote. And uh, the short stories that uh, he has on his website, that's kind of his passion now, uh, is to, uh, to write short stories and, and to be um, a writer that uh, kind of shares some of his experiences traveling, but also um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of other areas as well. So I think you'll enjoy this one. Uh, whether you, you just like a good story, you like to hear about some people doing some, some awesome things, uh, he's currently in Mexico teaching uh, English as a second language. Um, so yeah, he's got a lot, a lot of really cool things. Um, definitely a, a really good uh, episode for for travelers too, but uh, definitely not uh, one that just travelers are, are going to gain something from. Uh, so without further ado, here is my interview with Chris McCaffrey. I am here today with Chris McCaffrey. Chris, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Absolutely. So normally we always kind of start just at the beginning, so to speak. So tell us just a little bit about yourself growing up. And I think ultimately, given what we're going to talk about, what started your, your travel bug?
0: Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in Stockton, California, um, which is east of the Bay Area. Uh, and I do think we'll end up talking about travel a lot. So I think it's interesting Um uh, Like, I didn't really travel growing up. Uh, Like, I went to Tijuana one time, uh, but that was about it internationally. And yeah, so I left Stockton and went to college in St. Louis. I wanted to go far away from home. Um, And so that was, I mean, that's traveling, like going from California to the Midwest. Uh, And then while studying, Uh, in St. Louis, I did a semester abroad in Spain, uh, and that's really what kicked it off. So I went and did a semester in Madrid. I got to go to uh, like Morocco, Belgium, Ireland, just a couple places in Europe while I was there. Uh, And that is when I realized uh, how cool it is to go see places that are just so different from what you're used to. And so that for sure kicked, kicked the travel bug into gear yeah
1: yeah I've, i had a friend in, in college i never was a i never did travel abroad they think that would be awesome but I had a friend who was doing that same place in spain and they were like terrified they almost canceled they didn't want to do it they were like uh, i don't think i can do this and then they did it they loved it and they've pretty much just done nothing but travel ever since so just from taking someone i mean if, if you at all want to travel I feel like it's just a no-brainer. But even somebody who was scared and didn't want to do it at all, and what it turned them into, I think it just shows just how how impactful that that travel or study abroad really is.
0: Yeah, it's transformative. Like you, you think the world is one way, and you think uh, the way that you were, whatever little bubble and culture you were raised in, you think that's right, and other things are wrong. And then you start to travel, and you realize that. Uh, right and wrong is a little bit more subjective. uh, And you just start to appreciate uh, the different ways people live their lives across the world.
1: For sure, for sure. So tell us just a little bit about your traveling, because I have talked to to quite a few travelers before. Most of them, you know, there's been some that uh, I guess have stuck around and and been a tourist, so to speak, for long periods of time, like a month or at a time that have traveled a lot but you're a little bit different in the sense that you've you know you've kind of stuck around the places that you you've gone I don't know whether you can even consider it like tourism travel it's really kind of just it seems like you actually kind of made roots in a lot of the places that you've been so tell us a little bit about that
0: yeah I, uh, I I've found jobs that have uh, allowed me to go abroad so I studied abroad so that's a little different but then um, since then, the, the root of my traveling has been finding a job in a foreign country and then saving up money while I was there to do some, some actual like backpacking or whatever afterwards. Um, so I, I graduated from college uh, and all my friends were going to law school, getting jobs, doing that route. Um, and I got a job teaching English in South Korea. Uh, so I went there for a year, um, I had an incredible experience living in Daegu, South Korea. And uh, they take care of you really well. So uh, the coolest thing is that they, they will pay for your rent at your apartment.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and when you're not paying rent, it's pretty easy to save money. So I was able to save a bunch of money during my year there. And then afterwards, uh, I did a, a pretty fun backpacking trip through China and Southeast Asia. Um, yeah, and then I came home, worked in the Bay Area for a little bit, um, got an opportunity to take a job to move to Austin, Texas. So I did that. I was there for like a year and a half and then at the same company, got an opportunity to move to London. And I jumped at that to get abroad again. And so I lived in London for about a year, got to travel in Europe during that year. Uh, and then once again, just saved up a bunch of money and went and backpacking for like seven months after that. And so I went to India, I went to Nepal, I went to a handful of other places. Uh, And then after that, I figured out about traveling winemaking. So I started working uh, wine harvests um, seasonally. So I would work in the Northern Hemisphere for four to six months at a winery and then go to the Southern Hemisphere and work for four to six months. Uh, And that took me from California to Australia to Oregon to Chile, back to Oregon. And then that was going to be my life. Uh, And then the, the pandemic hit. And so I was in Mexico on vacation um, in between seasonal jobs. I was going to go back to Oregon and work at a winery. And then Corona hits, lost the job at the winery and then decided to stay in Mexico. So I got a job teaching English here. So I want to I want to kind of go back to the very beginning and kind of work
1: through some of those things. Mm-hmm. The first thing I want to I want to talk about is you, know, you, you talked about all of your friends. They were going on to law school or finding a job or, or, or what have you what made you decide i guess that rather than do that you were going to just go and, and try to to get a, a english teaching job in, in korea because that's a that's a big step for most people i think most people that were listening to this would think well that's you know i always like to try to make everyone i guess kind of personify them so to speak because there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that would think well that's nothing anything i would ever do so this is just just something totally different. So what made you think this is, you know, that some people are going out to find a job, you know, and settle down here, but I'm going to head off to Korea.
0: Yeah. I, I don't, I, I'm going to try and figure out my answer live with you right now. Cause I don't exactly know what it is that, that triggered me to do that. I think basically in seeing my friends apply for these uh, like grad school programs or, or entry-level jobs out of college or whatever, It was just very clear to me that I didn't want to do that. (laughs) Uh, And so understanding that I didn't want to take that path, I was just exploring alternative paths. And yeah, like after studying abroad, I just had this really, really strong curiosity about other cultures and other places. Uh, And so I just wanted to get away. And I specifically remember like second semester senior year of college, uh, a friend of mine was getting her tefl certification so you can get online certifications to teach english anywhere and i got that my second semester uh, like online because i thought that could be something fun and at the time i really wanted to go to a spanish-speaking country uh, and then spanish-speaking countries don't pay as well for english teachers and i learned about uh, the programs in south korea and they pay for your flights they pay for your apartment they give you a pretty good salary Um, and so I jumped at it and yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I had ever expected that I would go live in South Korea, but I got really excited about the opportunity just to go somewhere new. And I, I went for it.
1: And what, what was that experience like, given that you, you weren't necessarily a teacher before that, what was it like, you know, going to, to South Korea and and teaching,
0: yeah, it was funny, like, I think the, the maybe, like, naive young version of myself at 21 years old had this idea that I was going to go to South Korea um, and, like, uh, end up in a, in a small village and be the only foreigner and teach English, uh, whatever, and then I showed up to this city of three and a half million people, um, and there was a really incredible expat community there. So, uh, like, I did... Um, make a lot of Korean friends uh through the school I taught at and I had a lot of a lot of fun like trying to (laughs) learn a little Korean and uh become friends with some of the people I met in that way and then with the expat community it was really interesting for me as an American because there were people from all the major uh English-speaking countries and so I had this group of friends Um, And it was people from England, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, uh, like any of the places where English is a native language, uh, they're teaching um, in these places as well. And so it was not what I expected at all. I ended up in the most fun uh, softball league I've ever been in. Uh, And there was, yeah, there's like Thanksgiving dinners with uh, like a huge expat community, like a lot of things. But I did not expect to participate in in South Korea ended up happening. And it was really, really fun. Yeah. And I think that's, that's always kind of the key to, to travel
1: is, you know, I, I'm a big planner of everything. I like to plan where I'm going, what I'm doing, everything. But a lot of times those things that happen that you just don't expect at all. That's, that's really what you remember at the end of the day when you're going places. So I like that. I like that a lot. Another thing I kind of want to ask you about, given that you, you know, on most of the places that you've been, you have kind of settled down and gotten a job. What is it like, um, you know, going through the process in each of these places? I assume with Korea, they probably helped you out since you were working for a mm-hmm. company, but what was it like, you know, trying to get job visas and stuff like that? Was that ever difficult?
0: Yeah, it's really difficult. It's, it's just tedious. Like there's just a lot of paperwork involved and, uh, And it's it's honestly it's a little nerve wracking because like for whatever reason, when you're doing things through government institutions, you never know exactly if you're doing it right. Uh, And I don't know, like that could just be my experience, but I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like you you get this list and it's kind of like you need this paperwork, this paperwork, this paperwork, this paperwork. Uh, and then you show up to the meeting and you're just like, your heart's beating really fast. And it's like, please, 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 please just approve my visa. But that's been my experience every time I've needed a visa. So yeah, um, in Korea, the school helped me and it worked out. And then when I was going to London, the company I was working for helped me, uh, same thing with Australia. So, um, yeah, like the employer at that point wants me to show up. So they will help me try to get the process figured out, but it's always, it always feels like a little bit of a crapshoot until the visa is actually stamped and approved in my passport and I can go. So you, you've
1: you talked about you know, some of the, the experiences, backpacking and, and things like that. Were you, um, were you doing this solo or did you always have people that you were doing
0: it with or how did that work? Yeah, I've done a little bit of both. So in Southeast Asia, I was solo. Um, uh, but the, there's so many people doing, uh, like backpacking, well, I guess not in the last year, but before the last year, uh, I, it was a pretty common thing to do. So I was solo, but then everywhere I went, uh, I mean, you check into a hostel and there's some like-minded people there. So, uh, it's like, I don't know, it's a pretty incredible lifestyle where you check into these places for four days and because there are like-minded people there, after four days, you end up with some really, really, really close friends. uh, And then you move on to the next place and you rinse and repeat. And that's been my experience backpacking. Uh, Like just these short little stints where you meet people. And it's a different setting than any other. It's not like going to a party in your hometown and you meet someone and it's like, oh, maybe we'll be friends or whatever. Like, you meet someone and you know that you only have this little window to, to hang out and, and become friends. And in a lot of ways, I think uh, a lot of the, the barriers and the walls just kind of fall away and you become really good friends with people in a very small amount of time. Yeah,
1: no, I think that's, that's really well said. I've never, never done the backpacking thing, but I have taken, you know, several solo trips. I've talked about this many times in in the podcast, but I think it's really, really awesome. And based on what you're, you know, exactly what you're saying is meeting people that you wouldn't otherwise, because when you go with people that, you know, you talk to them, you sit with them at the restaurant, you're kind of in your closed little bubble, but being on your own and, and, you know, people just naturally want to talk to you since you don't have anyone else you're talking to, or you're just like you were saying that there's other solo people that want to, you know, make. Make quick friends. I I agree. I've I've gotten myself into some really awesome situations that I never would have um, if I would have you know been with other people. Whether it's being invited to sit at somebody's table at dinner and they tell me all about where they're from, or going out at night, you know, Barcelona or something like that. It's it's a really really cool experience. It's 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 scary at first for a a lot of people, but I I really I think it's a really cool thing.
0: Yeah, it's challenging uh, because. inevitably there are the days when you're tired and you're not feeling social and you don't want to talk to anyone uh and then i think that's something that travel sometimes forces you to do uh, because it's not like uh it's not just a saturday night where you if you stay in um will be the next weekend if you're living somewhere more permanently but when you're traveling it's not always a saturday night but if you have that one night uh it's just a challenge to to like go way down in the well and find um the energy to go be social and try and make some friends and try to make the most out of wherever you are for the short amount of time that you're there and I think that's great like I think yeah there have been plenty of times where all I wanted to do was lay in my bed and watch Netflix and then it's like no I'm I'm here I'm in wherever I'm in uh, Bangkok or whatever and I need I don't need but i would really like uh for this to be a memorable experience so you just challenge yourself to to put on a social face and get out there and see what happens
1: Yep, i like that very very well said so so you know the the next question i would have on i guess your your profile that that we connected through you talked about some unique experiences that you've had while traveling i won't pick a certain one i want you to kind of tell me something that uh that uh, I guess was unique and, and that you really, uh, it was memorable. That's something that you'll, you'll live with for a long time.
0: Yeah. The, I mean, there's like a million fun travel stories like I'm talking about where you just show up somewhere, you make some friends some some incredible stories just kind of uh, come to be live. But one thing I would love talking about just because I would love to encourage people to, to like look up this company and see if it's something they would want to do. But there is a company called The Adventurists. Uh, And they do these uh, events all over the world. Um, And I did one called the rickshaw run. So two of my friends met me in India. um, And we showed up in Rajasthan, uh, which is like northern India in the desert. Uh, And there were 83 other teams that were going to participate, which means there were 83 tuk-tuks or rickshaws. Um, and so we showed up, they like give you a one day training course on how to drive the, the, like, I think it was a four speed tuk-tuk that went about 35 kilometers an hour. Uh, and you drive it around the parking lot a couple times and then they throw a huge party. And then they basically just unleash these 83 tuk-tuks into India. And they say, Hey, we're going to throw another party in two weeks, uh, 3000 kilometers south of here. Good luck. Uh, And that's it. There's no help. There's no support. There's no route. There's no plan. Um, And so I did that with two of my best friends. And that was the most memorable travel experience I've ever had. Like we uh, were in this tuk-tuk just without any plan, trying to get as far like to this little town, 3,000 kilometers south. Um, And it was incredible. Like you end up seeing parts of India, that you would never see if you were doing a more traditional style of travel because you don't know where you're going or what you're doing you just wake up and you start driving uh and you just stumble into to some really incredible things along the way that that would be something for sure
1: so were you guys all in the same tuk-tuk or do you have separate ones or yeah so it's
0: uh there's like a somebody's driving in the front uh, and then there's a little bench seat in the back. So we would take, we would drive for about 10 hours a day, uh, cause the tuk-tuks really don't go that fast. So it takes a lot of driving to get 3000 kilometers. Um, so yeah, we would do shifts of driving, I don't know, three or four hours each. And so somebody would be in the front uh, and then the other two would be in the back. And then the way it unfolded, um, we ended up caravanning with some of the other tuk-tuks, which is hilarious because like for the first couple of days, we're driving, we're alone, we're in India, whatever. And then inevitably, you just see another tuk-tuk uh, like in the middle of nowhere in India. And it's this incredible feeling of like, I don't know, being seen or whatever. It's like another one of me. Uh, and so, yeah, that happened enough where we started caravanning with a couple of the other teams um and then yeah just made our way through india
1: that, that would be an experience I, I think that's really cool for sure Yeah. so tell us you know just a little bit about i guess some of the the i don't want to say negatives but I, I i don't always like to just cast everything in in grand glowing light so tell us some of the challenges that you've had when when traveling
0: yeah i so i actually wrote about this one time um So I guess I could tell an interesting story about that. But yeah, so basically there's this one day and I will answer your question with this story. But there was this one day uh, where I I was off the coast of Africa. I was off the coast of Kenya on this really cool island um, and I was staying at this hotel and the hotel owner was like, hey, you can go out fishing with these guys today and if you catch some fish, bring them back and I'll cook dinner for us. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Uh, and so I went out, uh, fishing and we, uh, like it was on like a little wooden boat and we were fishing with like these wooden blocks, uh, where you just like, there's like a bunch of fishing wire wrapped around the block with a hook and you put a little bait on it. Uh, you throw it way down to the bottom. And then if you get a bite, you just start rolling the block, uh, to like, uh, contract the cord, I guess, or the fishing wire, um, to catch some fish. And we did it all day. And it was really fun and we got back um and the guy cooked some fish and there was this old uh swedish couple staying at the hotel and i was pretty young at this point so i was uh like very much on the um like trying to be in the moment and the moment is like the best part of everything and if you're in the moment everything will be fine and i was eating dinner with this older swedish couple Uh, and the woman's name was Barbro. And she started telling me a story about how her favorite part of travel is reflecting. So she loves like going on trips. um, And then like six months later, taking a night to brew a cup of tea or whatever, and then like thinking back on the trip. And she was talking about how that's her favorite part of traveling. And for me as a young guy, I was like, that was, that was blasphemy to me. I was like, no, like the best part is, is being in the moment, whatever. Uh, but she was really smart and we had a really good conversation. So I kept thinking about it. Um, and it's, it's true because uh, like so much of traveling is really inconvenient. Uh, like you're always tired. Like there are so many just little things that are going wrong at all times. And so it opened my eyes to the fact that like in the moment, often a lot of traveling is not comfortable and it's not fun and it's not great. Uh, but it creates these memories that just kind of crystallize over time. Uh, and they become, they become better and better the more time that goes by. And so the reason I told the story about fishing is that the actual truth of that day is that I got really seasick on that boat fishing. And so at this point, two or three years have gone by. So when I think of this day, it's this like, golden sunshine on this island off the coast of Africa with these guys that I was fishing with and it's this like really powerful beautiful memory and then if I allow myself to accept the reality of the actual day I was on a boat like puking off the side of it really uncomfortable for a lot of it Um, and you just as time goes by you just kind of forget about that part and just appreciate the fact that yes that did happen I did get seasick but I also did get to do the fishing and have the meal afterwards, et cetera. So I think a lot about, uh, that now, how, um, how uncomfortable so much of traveling is, but if you just weather it, uh, like the memories will solidify into something really special.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. I really, really, I, I, I connect with that too. Yeah. I I'm the same exact way. I, Just recently, that kind of happened to me where I was talking, because I I went to Costa Rica about four years ago with my dad. It was amazing. We had a great time. I remember it super fondly. And then we were talking just like a month ago about it, you know, about, you know, reflecting basically and, and how awesome it was. But then he was like, don't you remember when we were there? You like had because before I left, I had like bitten my tongue really bad. So like I had a big like I had a big like like my tongue was like super hurt like it hurt really bad and sometimes i couldn't sleep so he he was reminding me that i was like you know all of this time in the last four years i've thought about costa rica i've never remembered that but now i remember sometimes not being able to sleep while we were there because my tongue hurt so bad didn't even remember any of that so i i mean obviously that's not something that actually happened while traveling but it just shows that travel just kind of glosses over some of those inconvenient parts of of it all i like exactly yeah I like that a lot. Yeah. So on your on your page, you 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 have a a term that I want to kind of talk about. What is wonder lunging? Can you explain that a little bit?
0: I can try. Uh it basically uh I I have like a I maybe had, maybe past tense now, but I think any of my friends would laugh. Uh but like I I used to have a patented dance move of some sort where we would be out, we'd be on a dance floor. Uh, And I would just lunge on the dance floor and just bounce around a little bit. uh, And it was just kind of fun. And then basically I really wanted to start writing. And so um, when I got the opportunity to move to London, I was excited to go to Europe and I assumed I would be able to do a lot of traveling. Um, And there's like a dirty secret with writing where it's really hard to figure out what to write. Uh, And so when you couple it with travel, it, it's kind of like a cheat code or a secret, uh, where like, if you're traveling, interesting things are going to happen, uh, which just allows you to write about it, I guess. Um, and so I w- was thinking of a domain name. Um, and yeah, I, I, I thought it was a play on words with Wanderlust or something like that. And so I just turned it into Wanderlunge to make it a little more specific to me uh and then at this point like five or six years have gone by and i've just stuck with it but that that's the origin of that i
1: like it very good so you talked a little bit about writing and and having a, a blog tell us a little bit about that
0: yeah so in london um my plan was to start writing and then of course uh it was a little bit more difficult than i thought um so when i was actually living there i had this domain name and i was like putting a bunch of effort into it on the weekends, trying to make it look nice and all that, or I guess domain name, website, whatever you want to call it. Um, But I was not actually writing any stories. Um, And then I left, I went to India, I did the rickshaw run. um, And like so many interesting things happened during that. It was like, I was saying, it's almost a cheat code. Like it was so, um, I don't know if it's easy is the right word, but like it, it would just, flowed very quickly uh, to like get that story onto a page. And then I had some fun editing it and trying to make it creative and stuff like that. But that uh, is what I started with. So I just kept traveling. Uh, I hitchhiked across Nepal right after doing the rickshaw run Um, and just kept, I guess like I started seeing the world in a little bit of a different way where like you're observing it in a way where you are planning on telling a story um so I just started like walking around and looking at things in a different way and and processing uh the world in a different way um in an attempt to try and tell some of these stories and the goal was always to write these stories and try and encourage people to travel um and then when I started working at the wineries I was I was working more and, and traveling a little bit less. Um, and so at that point, I got really interested in trying to write fiction. Um, and so for the last maybe two or three years, uh, I've kind of parked the the travel stories and I focused a lot more on writing short fiction stories. Gotcha,
1: yeah. And you talked about you know wanting to, to make some of the experiences you were having kind of work towards a, a story. Did that, I mean, was, was that something that you think that, um, I guess, made your experiences better or sometimes, uh, I guess, made it a little bit more difficult? And the reason why I say that is just because I know sometimes, you know, I, I've talked to people who do write travel stories or take travel photography, and they say that's almost an interesting dynamic where they have to take time off of, you know, the mind of writing stories or the mind of, uh, photography because sometimes they miss out almost on the experience because they're so worried about, you know, making sure that they remember all the details and making sure they get the best shot. Did you feel that way? Or do you feel like that it actually made it it better?
0: No, it's a, it's a great uh, lead in to an answer. Cause uh, you're totally right where uh, like in the beginning um, it was incredible. Cause it's like, I don't know. It's like this uh, wave of inspiration would just, overcome me when something was happening and it was like oh this is it like this is something that I will turn into a story but um I it did get to the point where it would hinder my ability to actually just experience whatever I was doing where something would start happening and I would have my little notebook with me and I would like run to the bathroom and start taking notes or whatever um and that's actually a big reason that I started writing fiction instead of trying to continue to write travel stories but like because of exactly that happening where I still love uh like trying to get my head into uh, a headspace where I'm seeing things in like a very open way uh which like to me that's traveling just like seeing the world in a way where like you're not judging you're not um trying to affect anything you're just kind of like observing and processing it and I don't know trying to like experience it live or whatever um and yeah like in trying to create these stories I did find after a couple years maybe that exactly that I would I would miss out on what was actually happening because uh my brain would just start trying to to wrap my head around how the story would be told and all that like in in the moment and that's not what i wanted uh so now i um am much more focused on trying to write fiction and then i still really like trying to to switch that that travel mode on or whatever you want to say but without the pressure of uh like something fun starting to develop something interesting starting to happen and then being like okay I need to turn this into a story. So I need to just switch into a different mind state. So I, yeah, that's, I would totally agree with those people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So what do you, what is your genre
0: beyond just fiction? Uh, I mean, it's definitely literary fiction, which is interesting because it's like a really niche world uh, where I don't know how many people really enjoy reading like short literary fiction. (laughs) Uh, But it's really fun to write. It's like my favorite um, books are literary fiction. So I don't like to me, that just means writing that is uh, operating on a handful of different levels. So there's always some subtext um, and whatever is written on the page is, is usually more of a frame. And then what's what the author is really trying to communicate is in between the lines. Um, and I just find that really challenging to to do. And I'm still not convinced I do it well, but I really enjoy trying. Um, and so, yeah, I've just been writing short stories for about two years now. Um, and yeah, I guess if there was like if I was trying to put it into a specific genre, I do think that I flirt with magical realism a lot, uh, which I, I love reading books um, that just kind of present uh, a story in a way where like you're never really sure if it's real life or if there is something a little supernatural involved uh, or a little magic involved or whatever and so I really really enjoy trying to walk that tightrope of reality and like magical realism or whatever you want to call it. Gotcha, gotcha. So tell us just a little about
1: that book I think that you co-wrote with someone, Time to Be. That's the one.
0: Uh, that one, that is not fiction. Um, so that uh, has a bit of a different origin story. So, so right after the rickshaw run, I went to Varanasi in India uh, and I was there for a couple of days and then I had a train leaving. Um, and before the train, I went to a cafe just to get some lunch. Uh, And I showed up and it was super busy. And the waiter asked if I would sit at a shared table. And I said, Yeah, of course. And so he sat me down next to this Chinese girl. um, And to my surprise, our conversation during lunch was about Quentin Tarantino movies and Iggy Pop. um, And just like a bunch of things uh, that like on the surface, I just wouldn't expect to talk to uh, like a Chinese girl that I just met about. And so it was awesome. And we became really good friends and we exchanged email addresses, and we became pen pals. Uh, and so about four years went by where we would just send each other long emails, update each other on our lives, etc. cetera. Um, and then uh, during the pandemic, almost exactly a year ago, uh, I was down in a place called San Cristobal de las Casas in Chiapas in Mexico, and it's way down south. Um, And I was quarantined. I was isolated. I was going a little crazy like everyone else in the world. Um, And in the United States, uh, this time last year, there was a lot of protests going on. Um, And so there were a lot of people protesting for George Floyd, for Black Lives Matter. And a lot of my friends were participating in those protests. And I was stuck in this tiny town in Mexico wanting to to do something and, and really feeling like there was nothing I could do. Um, And so I always am reaching out to people, trying to get some of my things published and kind of by fluke at that moment. uh, I was talking to uh, this news publication and the the CEO or the editor uh, asked me to write an original piece and they would consider publishing it in their news publication. Um, And so I wrote this piece that was, uh, like I thought amplified George Floyd's name in a really positive way. And I finished it and I was pretty proud of it. And I sent it to him and he was like, nah, like this isn't the type of thing that we publish. Uh, and that, I don't know, like rejection is a hundred percent a part of writing. Like, like you're going to write so many things, uh, and you put so much effort into it and you think it's so good. And then you send it off and it's way more common than not just to get a no like rejection is everywhere in writing um so it got rejected and i was i i had put a lot of effort into it and i was really passionate about trying to participate in what was going on so i was a little down and then uh once again by fluke uh my friend her name is echo uh sent me an email and it was the first time i had heard from her in like six months um And she sent me this long email about her experience uh, in the pandemic and about how everything had changed. And it was really interesting to me reading her perspective. Uh, And then that email ended with a question and she ended it with something like, uh, in your perspective, what is the meaning of a life? Uh, Which is a really big, deep, powerful question. Um, And it just like sparked something in my head where I had written this thing about George Floyd, she asked me that question. And this thought came to me that like, we really can't be answering that question until people are treated equally. So like, in my opinion, like, we need people to be treated equally, everybody. And then once that happens, then maybe we can all sit down to dinner and be like, okay, what is the meaning of a life? But I think there's a lot of work we need to do before we try and answer questions like that. And so I had this idea and I went back through the four years of our conversations and just picked different messages that we had sent to each other that I thought developed a story um, that led to her asking that question, which I then inserted that original piece that I wrote as as like a pseudo answer to the question. And then I sent it to her and I was like, hey, I think we've written 75% of a book. Do you want to finish it? Uh, we can just go back and forth with a couple more messages, try and answer some big, important questions and see what happens. Uh, and we did that. And then she was living in New Delhi uh, in India at the time and had a contact at a publisher. So yeah, we put a ton of effort into it, tied a bow on it, sent it to the publisher and they accepted it and they published it. Um Yeah. And so a book got, got put out, which is really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So what, I
1: I guess you you said that it's kind of based off of the emails you've sent to each other, but maybe a hard task, but what exactly, if somebody's interested, what exactly are they going to learn or I guess, gain from, from reading the book?
0: Yeah. um, Maybe nothing, but hopefully, (laughs) uh, no, I think, I mean, it's been out for a handful of months. It ended up like being published around Thanksgiving. Um, and from people that have read it, I think the most consistent thing I've heard, consistent thing I've heard from them um, is that it's like a really refreshing conversation because it's two people from totally different cultures trying to find some common ground uh, to communicate and to get to know each other. So I think that's the most common thing I've heard from people that have read it uh, is that uh, like the communication and the, the conversation between two very different people from two very different places, um, like the the ability for that conversation to take place and to, I mean, there is a connection um, and a thread in that conversation. So I think that's what people have taken away from it. Um, in a world where like communication sometimes seems to be hard <laughs> uh, and it seems like people maybe are, are, pushing each other farther and farther away. Uh, like I think a lot of people enjoy reading the perspective of two different people making the effort to communicate with each other. Gotcha. Where, where can people find it? You can find it on Amazon. Uh, it's, so it's published in India. So the, the, if you're trying to buy it in the United States, um, It takes like four to six weeks to get delivered, Uh, but it's a little souvenir from India if you want it. Um, So yeah, I can definitely give you the the Amazon link um, if you want to put that in the show notes there. There were something like 300 copies made in India. So I think there are still some available. And yeah, I think think it's uh, inspiring and not like I don't know. I'm trying to remove myself from it. I don't think it's inspiring because I wrote it or anything like that. I think it's inspiring because it is two people uh, from different worlds communicating. And I think that seems to be uh, resonant with people or to resonate with people for sure. Yeah. Do send me the link. I'll put
1: it in the show notes for sure. So, you. you know, this is a, this is a tough, tough question. Definitely with, you know, the, the pandemic that we, we just, went through and still, you know, still, still dealing with, um, what do you think the the future holds? I know that life sometimes throws a a good curveball at you, but what do you, what do you think and hope that the future holds for you? Uh, For me (laughs) and for the world.
0: Well, let's, let's just go with you. I don't think we have time for the world. (laughs) I don't think I have an answer for the world either, but for, uh, for me, I, I don't know. It was a, it was a rough year. I think it was a rough year for everyone. And I survived, um, so that's great. And um, yeah, I'm I'm committed to staying in Mexico for another year. I'm going to spend another year teaching at at the school that I'm at. Um, I really want to actually learn Spanish. Um, and then yeah, I think I mean the the future for me hopefully includes uh, like a lot of creative inspiration so that I can continue to write. Um, I think I think it's like both refreshing and terrifying to feel like you found what you want to do with your life um, where like at this point all I really think about is writing and stories and how I can tell them and how I can try and uh, like get some cool ideas that I read about um, onto the page to connect with people that read my stuff um, so yeah I've spent a year just accepting the fact that writing is what I want to do and then understanding that If I'm actually going to become successful at that, I just have to work harder than everyone else that's doing it, um, which is intimidating. But that's that's what I hope the future holds for me is uh, like being able to carve out a life for myself um, where I can live comfortably and have writing be something that
1: supports my lifestyle. Well, those are those are, uh, I think, good goals to have for sure. So so
0: how can people connect with you? Uh, Twitter. I love Twitter. Um, so at wonderlunging on Twitter. I also have Instagram. Um, that seems to be more for, for me and my friends and stuff like that, but you can follow me if you want. Um, and then I have a website. So the website is wonderlunge.com. Uh, I try and keep it really simple. There's really not that much on the website except for the stories that I write. And then, yeah, the goal is to hustle and get a short story published every month. Um, and I would love if people read those because I put a lot of time and effort into them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'll tell you with your, web, with your website, I don't know if this is a bad thing or it, hopefully you don't, t- you don't take this the wrong way, but when I clicked on your website at first, the way that it's formatted, cause it is very simple. I thought like it was one, it was like one of those pages that was saying like, this website is not
0: available or whatever. <laughs> that is great feedback. Uh, but yeah, that, that's, i I there's very little on there. Like there's basically a homepage with a cool design that a friend of mine made for me. Um, and then one button to click on stories that I've written. So uh if if you do click on it, it's it is available. It's not uh <laughs> it's not a broken website there are some stories and that's great feedback maybe i need to figure out what to do with the home page so people don't think it's it's
1: well you broken. know maybe, maybe you do and maybe you don't because i i i would say that i go to probably a hundred websites a day but i remember that exactly so it's it's unique the way that it's designed so and i there did and i did see the button and i i clicked and i i read at least one or two of the stories and and yeah i i think that it's it is a you, and that's why I wanted to ask you exactly what your genre was, because it is kind of a, a unique writing style, and I think it's it's really cool. I think that the whole the whole thing I can take from your website is it's all uh, it's not an, exactly the the norm, and I think that's refreshing. Thank you for sure. So check out the website site, wonderlunge.com. com. Um, your Twitter did you did you, it's wonderlunge as well? Uh, yeah. So it's at wonderlunging. With a little I'm gotcha. yeah. I got gotcha. you. Very good. Well, I'll tell you, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. You know, you, you've definitely got some some interesting stories. You've, you've done some really cool things. I'm sure that there's a lot more to, in store. So I think that uh, it was a pleasure speaking with you, and I appreciate your time.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I feel the same. It was a, it was a pleasure to have this conversation. Absolutely.
1: And that was my interview with Chris McCaffrey. Definitely a really cool guy. Hope you enjoyed it i really like to hear just about uh, his travel experiences and and we kind of got into the i don't want to say negatives of travel um but travel is not always easy and and i like i like how he highlighted that um about how we kind of look back and we remember the positives i've got so many examples where that is the case where you know i I remember such an amazing amazing trip and then i i think oh i remember there was a few little things that went wrong and and there were some times that weren't so amazing but you, you kind of lump it all together and you remember the good things. So I like that a lot. I like all the stories he had. Um, I definitely recommend you go check him out. I will put a link to the um, book in in the show notes and then also his website. But uh, I appreciate Chris being here. I appreciate you being here. Check him out. Check us out on Instagram and on Facebook if you haven't already. Uh, comment, comment. Um, on the the uh, podcast always appreciate that subscribe follow all that good stuff Uh, but uh, i'll see you next week and uh, thanks for being here take it away chris
0: this has been not in a huff with jackson huff thank you for listening be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think or hey maybe even both but until then keep being awesome